All right, so usual disclaimer, I'm all pra prayered up. I did all my prayers before to save time. And um, I would like to apologize for, as you can see, I've taken Vanaprasta. No, <laughs> I just ran out of uh, white t-shirts. I'd like to apologize for last time again. Um, won't happen again. I won't be late and I won't forget about such an important opportunity that I'm given with these uh, classes to focus on what's important and uh, life uh, changing for both those who speak and those uh, who listen. Now, uh, today's lesson class is about water, how water can be seen as our guru. If you've just stumbled into this uh, recording, certainly not live stream because <laughs> beats me, it's just not happening today. Uh, this is a series of lessons or classes I'm sorry, I, I teach languages online, so I, I, I'm used to saying lessons, but uh, either way. Oh, here's somebody. So would you know why I can't go live today? Sorry for the interruption. Talking to Guru Nishta Prabhu. So it's probably worth sorting this out. Okay, well, um, let me just write him a message. So I was saying that um, this is a series of uh, classes on the Srimad Bhagavatam 11th canto where there's a series of verses. Uh, in which a, an avadhuta, a brahmana, a spiritualist who is, uh, you know, hanging by a thread in terms of uh, his material involvement, is um, telling Maharaj Yadu that he got to that stage of uh, self-realization by um, uh, recognizing 24 gurus in his life. Now, we've uh, discussed many times that um, it's not about 25 gurus, uh, 24 gurus, or any number of, you know, limited number of gurus. Um, the overarching message of all these um, gurus mentioned by the uh, Avadhuta is that the guru is everywhere. And Krishna himself, in the 11th canto, says, Acharyam mam vijaniyat. It should be known that I am the Acharya, I am the guru, or the guru is me. So, as you can see, these um, <clears throat> listed gurus are the most common substances. We've seen the earth, we've seen air, we've seen the ether. Ether is not the most common thing. It's, it's, you could see from my previous lessons, uh, we, we dedicated two classes to ether as a guru or as a substance, as a reality. What the heck is ether? And I wasn't able to do it justice. But um, as far as the other things, you know, water, the sun, the moon, the message is look around you. The, the guru is everywhere. The, uh, the teaching is everywhere in the most common things and in, in the most recurring things so that you cannot miss it. But of course, I was just thinking right before this lesson, when I was preparing and chanting my rounds and doing all my prayers, I was not praying. I was praying to my Gurudev, Srila Tripurari Maharaj. I wasn't praying to water. So um, we'll get back to this, to, to, to the Guru being localized and everywhere, such as uh, this, um, as this list of um, ingredients and substances and items wants to demonstrate. So. Today we're going to talk about water, and I should be doing it more justice than I did uh, with um, ether, because it's um, well. First of all, because like I said, ether is kind of uh, it kind of escapes our comprehension and knowledge. It's not like it's an every everyday item, but water, <laughs> you know, it's a very common substance. Um, so. Uh, since I said I would do it justice this time, I really prepared it, and um, 
I made a list of um, say insights I had about water and I'm gonna shamelessly refer to it because I usually pride myself in just going you know uh, on the fly and because you know I did my prayers and it works but um, there's really nothing wrong with taking notes and organizing your thoughts it's just a one more expression of care. So as a matter of fact, I have another one last minute realization that I want to write down before I forget it. <clears throat> so um, water, starting from the scriptures, like I said, it's everywhere, but let, let's start from the scriptures before um, resorting to our empiric observation of how water is everywhere. There are so many references to, to water in, in any given context. Now, I chose two verses that I selected because I like them, and uh, they're the first ones that jump to my mind. Uh, if I had access to YouTube, I would write them there too, but... I do not have permission. What can I do? So anyway, um, I won't write them here because this um, the chat here is just going to disappear, but I can read them. So first verse is the famous Bhagavad Gita 7.8. Rasoham apsukaunteya tabhasmi shashisura yoho pranavah sarvavedeshu shaddhake purushanrushu. It's a famous verse that says that I am the taste in water. So imagine every time you have by the way, <laughs> a drink of water. Um, delicious. Mountain water. There, I just thought of Krishna. That's the end of the class, right? That's how easy it is. Um, you just go to the tap, go if you're lucky like we are. We don't have chlorinated water, so we can drink tap water that, okay, it's been stored in PVC tanks and pipes, but it's still pretty darn good. Um, in fact, we're uh, going to the Saturday market in Samara off and on, and uh, we were thinking of just doing that, going to Samara where the water is disgusting, whether it's chlorinated or brackish. I never tasted it, but um, Kishore went uh, to Samara once, and he was saying that the tap water is really undrinkable. So we would just go there and obviously have kirtan and kind of like tell the world that we exist, that we were thinking of uh, selling or giving away cool mountain water. And people will be tasting our fresh water and not knowing and, and not think of Krishna. But, you know, if you are lucky enough to have been exposed to the Bhagavad Gita and this very simple verse, you could really change your life around if you're sincere and, and serious enough. How many times have you had a drink of water and not thought a thing about it? So the, you know, in, in, in a way you are your first guru. You should teach yourself and keep yourself in, in like in, in the sharpest shape because you could virtually, potentially, become self-realized by just having a drink of water and thinking of Krishna. Krishna is the taste of this water. And then, you know, you just go on with the um, this kind of dissertation that I'm going to attempt, attempt to do in one hour, because I, for one, am not somebody who can <laughs> discuss these things in one hour. But uh, uh, again, we're talking about the infinite, like I say every time. How can you talk about the infinite in one hour? All we can do is just, is, is just sharpen the the blade of our intellect intellect i mean buddhi yoga Shri Prabhupada is fond of uh, equating bhakti yoga with buddhi yoga we engage our intellect in the service of the absolute by just uh well thinking of the absolute and and, and uh, um pondering all these realities and uh uh, the meaning of life and how we can, you know, make a better person of ourselves and the environment around us and all that. So, um, so very, very famous verse. And it, it really goes to show that if you have this kind of knowledge, again, 
you don't drink water and have this realization, but once you have been given this like seed, this <laughs> drop of um, transcendental knowledge, let's say codified knowledge, such as the verse in the Bhagavad Gita, then you're like, wow, like I said, you could literally uh, achieve self-realization by focusing on Krishna being the taste of water and how many times do you have water? How much do you need water? And we'll talk about this soon after the next reference. The next verse is one of my favorite ones. I'll quote it first and then I'll tell you what it's about. Samashrita ye padapallava plavam mahatpadam punya yasho murare bhavam budhir vatsapadam param padam 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 yadvipadam natesham. It's that famous verse that says that for those who take shelter of Murari, they can cross. For those who take shelter of the vessel-like uh, feet, lotus feet of Murari, they can cross through the material uh, ocean as easily as you would cross over, step over the water contained in the hoof print of a calf, which is a super cute idea, super cute image. And uh, again, uh, you got to think maybe a little contextually because before abstracting the absolute message of the Bhagavatam, these scriptures were, were addressing a, um, a agrarian society, cow herding, um, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to see if I got a message about this issue with not being able to um, go live because if I can get some clarity, it just might help. Nope. Uh, oh, by the way, it was a message about our Patreon thing. Thank you very much. Th talking about calf hoof prints. Thank you so much if you're one of those who have um, donated or spread the word about our Patreon. Um, campaign. It's helped a lot and uh, it's a very easy way of, again, being connected with this Mahatseva, this service of, of the Absolute. It's much bigger, much larger than taking care of cows. It's a, a way for everybody to get purified and engaged in, in a transcendental exercise, um, much larger and more profound than, than you may think. So, of course, if I had access to the YouTube channel, just see my luck. Uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll, I should sort it out. This uh, class will make it on YouTube eventually. And I'll put that Patreon link. So if you haven't yet, it's just $1 a month. It's just a very minimal effort on your side. Or if you're already donating, tell any of your friends and family, just $1. Everybody can spare a dollar. But it can go to a, uh, um, you know, if it gets condensed, which is again another teaching we'll get from water, then it can go, it can produce an amazing result. So thank you again. <clears throat> now back to the verse. Um, the Bhagavatam is addressing an agrarian society of cow herders. So it was very common to see the water contained in the hoof print of a calf. And here at uh, Madhuvan and at Audaria, precisely, I remember looking at this cute little cow uh, hoof print with a little water. And I'm like, how lucky am I that, obviously I knew that first, that I see such, such, something so trivial, so irrelevant, unimportant, and I'm reminded of the shelter of the vessel-like feet of Murari. And I wish I could convey to you how profound this doll is. But um, of course, if you live in Manhattan, <laughs> the chances of you stepping over the cow, the, the, the water contained in the hoof print of a calf are not as likely as, uh, as um, numerous. But here in Madhuvan, we do have calves every once in a while. And the rainy season is like half of the year. And I've had the luck of many, many times seeing this little cute, uh, you know, teardrop shaped uh, dance that uh, a calf hoof print makes and purposely stepping over them 
and being reminded of the Bhagavatam, which is, you know, my, my biggest luck. So, um, but again, the message is this. It's not about the, the, the hoof print. It's not about the taste of water. Um, the message of these verses is Sri Guru is everywhere. So, um, you just really need to tune into this very loud message, this teaching, because, you know, we're talking about Guru. Guru means teacher, and a teacher is such as, in as much as he or she teaches. So what is the teaching? What is the message? Well, it's different for everybody. <laughs> Some people would say this, right? Um, I mean, you could say that the, the message is uh, be a servant. But what does service mean? I mean, you know, you could just by being absorbed in the absolute, just remembering Krishna and, and, and um, engaging your intellect like this, that's service. So you could say that whatever reality you're pursuing, you're serving it. So ultimately, what does service mean? It, it's got to do a lot with focus, with absorption, with intention. And maybe when I'm done with these uh, series of classes, we'll talk about, as soon as I figure out, sort out my own thoughts and, and, and have read more and studied more and, uh, you know, begged for inspiration and um, associated with higher authorities, I might uh, maybe give a talk on the nature of service, the nature of mercy, what the heck these words really mean. But um, we're in for a few months because, uh, you know, the, the water is, uh, we've done earth, air, ether. I did a generic introductory, introductory one. So four, we have 20 lessons. So we <laughs> get comfortable. So it'll be 20 months before we can change subject. Let me consult with our guru again. Delicious. So. Um, hoofprint, Guru is everywhere. Mm, what was I talking about? Sri Guru is everywhere. The teaching is everywhere. And the teaching is be a servant. Uh, in the very least, we got to know that there is a teaching because we, we won't find what we're not looking for. And again, it's like I was saying, uh, giving you a, a preview of another thing I would like to talk about in the future. It's all about the focus and the intention where you just tune in because it's all about consciousness, focusing, meditating on something. And it could be itself, consciousness meditating on consciousness, which is uh, what happens in, in, in pure transcendence, consciousness expressing your, uh, itself within itself. But uh, it's always like that, consciousness focusing on something and experiencing the interaction that uh, relationship which is another word for rasa so um where was i going with this water is everywhere the teaching is everywhere so anyway we can move on because the next note i had written down let me get it is that uh right yeah let's wrap up the whole well, actually we have to talk about fire still but in the previous classes, we went kind of um, esoteric. Uh, we were touching on these uh, themes and how they are addressed or <clears throat> discussed or viewed in uh, within, uh, say, the tarot or astrology or the Kabbalah. Because a lot of people gave a lot of thought to these very basic things. The uh, constituents of reality or you know what most people perceive as a reality so we talked about earth being solidity and having a direction that's uh, towards the center it's all concentric and all the implications that i'm not going to say because uh, we talked about it many times and then air is the opposite it's all it's all about expansion and then ether is um, all pervasive or um, uh, vibrating and accommodating. So goes without saying that water goes down and the direction of fire is up. So <laughs> sorry for the spoiler, but it, it's, it was an easy one to, to figure out. So water goes down, the direction is down. 
I remember my Guru Maharaj. I haven't heard him, but um, I heard um, uh, somebody quoting him saying that we should uh, be like water and always look for the lowest possible position because that's what water does, right? Um, it follows gravity. It always flows to the lowest possible position, sometimes even underground. And, um, you know, lowest, lowest position means uh, Nietzsche, Sunicha. Nietzsche means lowly. Yeah, lowly. And Sunicha means very low, the lowest. Uh, in case you haven't um, grasped my, my reference, I'm talking about another famous verse, which is worth um, uh, repeating and remembering and learning. Um, Tornada pisunicena, sunicena, taroriva sahishnuna, amanina manadena, kirtaniya sadaharihi. Spoken by um, no, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. And uh, so this word is there, sunicha. Tornada pisunicena, sunicena means by being sunicha, by being sunicha like a blade of grass. So water is telling us the same. Be humble, be low take the lowest position now this doesn't mean you know self-deprecation or um beating yourself over the head and like neurotically wanting to be the lowest and not wanting any well not wanting any recognition you got to do it in the proper context and uh, sorry our cook is taking a shower and we're gonna have to live with that so it's a, definitely a very important teaching. Be humble. Every tradition teaches. Uh, be humble, humble, be compassionate, be tolerant. And uh, humidity is the very, not humidity, <laughs> humility. <laughs> Crack myself up. Humility is uh, the very beginning of uh, any spiritual pursuit. And uh, ironically, it's the end too, because I think think Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur equates or Bhakti Thakur, I cannot remember right now, but he equates humility with the prema because it, it will always go um, you know side by side and humility is like I don't want to do a, a big sidetrack on humility I, I mean I don't want to detour too much talking about humility but um, it's um, humility means not me. You know how sometimes they um, render namaste as not me, you. Te means to you. Namas is namaha. Namaha means, well, obeisances, prostration. But some people like to break it down into na and ma, which, you know, the grammar may be a little... Um, creative or the grammar the etymology may be a little creative but it stands to reason so we're, we're going to st uh, stick with it nama means not me not does mean uh, not in sanskrit and ma means me so not me you that is the very beginning of any spiritual pursuit and spiritual pursuit doesn't mean religious life of uh, you know be good uh, spiritual pursuit means the pursuit of yourself, the realization of who you are, <laughs> ironically, who you are, the realization of who you are starts by, starts by realizing, not me, you, what does it mean? I'm going totally off chart, it's got nothing to do with my notes, but whatever, it, it has a way of happening, and it's always a glorious thing, because uh, we're tapping from the unknown, the, the creative, the, the, the spiritual, the infinite potential of what's out there, we just need to tap. And um, right, because not me, it's not me talking about the absolute. It's not me teaching you how water can be your guru. So, um, but what does it mean, not me? If it's not me, who is it? Well, of course, I'm talking about the whole concept of false ego, real ego, who we really are. And, uh, and, and uh, this crust and, or this enclosure 
that we created around ourselves by, well, for many reasons that is really not something I want to, you know, get too uh, deep into because otherwise it's going to become a totally different other class. But um, see, I already lost my train of thought. Uh, not me. But yeah, I, I was just saying that humility is the very beginning step of recognizing you know, the very step in which we recognize that there is something other than me that should be our focus. And we go further and further and further, and then we realize, and then we find the real me, ironically. Uh, the further we go from who we think we are right now, we reach a dimension and a state of consciousness which is much more um, similar in nature to who we are. And I'm talking about pure consciousness. So anyway, um, what was I talking about? My notes have a way of getting to the background. So water says, um, go down. And um, so that's one teaching. But like I said about earth and air, uh, it applies to water too. I was saying that just like we cannot live without air and just like we're intrinsically connected with uh, the earth, even if we are on the upper uh, bunk bed on, in a loft uh, on the 125th floor in a skyscraper, everything is resting on the earth. So we depend on the earth, we depend on, on air, and we depend on water. Now, obviously, in the class about air, I was saying that we can be without food, which I guess is solidity, so the earth. Uh, for many days, we can be without water for a couple of days, but we cannot be without air for more than a few minutes unless you're a really accomplished yogi. But still, we cannot go very far without water. So um, now the class is about water, so flow with it. See what I did that? there? Um, water is essential for the human experience. If you think that as everybody knows and everybody's fond of saying the planet the surface of the planet the biosphere where you know stuff is happening is uh what 75 percent water um and then our body is uh, i hear different percentages between 75 and 90 percent water so we might want to put attention to water from a you know very you know basic uh, health concern to the loftiest transcendentalist vision that I'm attempted, attempting to share here. And as far as health, I mean, I've been living here in the tropics for 14 years, and we know all too well how uh, hydration is uh, important. And, and even now that I'm doing sourdough stuff, you know, the hydration of dough is really important. <laughs> but um, water is um is um, just essential to life and now this verse is telling us that we should see water as our guru so for a bunch of reasons and it can be seen in so many ways that again i'll try to um you know touch upon as exhaustively as i can but um the teaching is that we should depend on our guru like we depend on water and you know the same was true with air we should depend on our guru like we depend on air because guru is uh like i said a teacher and it points to the loftiest ideal which is what we call spiritual life or transcendence and the real life is spiritual life so now when i say we should depend on water like we depend we should depend on our good like we depend on water that means anywhere in the spectrum from our you know personal guru with uh, two arms and or one arm it doesn't really matter <laughs> with his physical his or her physical shape and that name and that personality all the way to the concept of a shri guru it doesn't matter it would still apply and it would still be as beneficial you know we could uh, physically depend on the service of our guru who lives there who is uh, these many feet or centimeters tall and who likes 
potatoes and mangoes, whatever, and still achieve perfection. Um, because the very fact of serving a person, and obviously the guru epitomizes the best person that we could uh, put our service attitude, uh, we, we, we could uh, focus our service attitude on, but the very fact of focusing our endeavor and, and thoughts to anything other than ourselves is good enough. And of course, if it's a self-realized person, that is the perfection of our um, service and endeavor. So that, that's why I said, even if it would just depend, even if we just serve the person physically, obviously it would be good, beneficial, if your mind needs it, if your brain needs it, especially to philosophize and think in terms of Sri Guru. Because again, the, the whole focus of these verses is that Sri Guru is everywhere and that Sri Guru is Krishna. But I'm just saying to, to, to convey how potent this whole um, thing we've embarked on is, even if we serve our guru physically, the person of our guru physically, and we had this sense of urgency, like I said, that we should depend on our guru like we depend on water, that would still um, ensure the perfection of our uh, endeavor, the, the achievement of uh, perfection. Because, like I said in a previous series of uh, classes that I can't remember which one it was, maybe the one about pranayama, I don't know, I just ramble sometimes. But I remember talking about the spiral of uh, consciousness. So we perceive the world as if it's like a vortex that goes towards the center, which is us. Just one point in the universe, everything revolves around us. So I remember talking about reversing or reverting the spiral of consciousness. So our consciousness goes out and out and out and out. So ultimately you focus onto the absolute and then the different layers of the absolute. And then you switch the divine couple in your heart from me and mine to God and gods, Bhagavan and Bhagavata. And the Guru is Bhagavata. So uh, he, he points the way to that reality. And... Um, so that's why I said, just to focus on one person, ultimately, you know, to, to uh, talk about this point, I can make the example of a mother, like any person, you would uh, engage your energies and your mental power and your dedication to would be good and better used than a selfish endeavor. Then, of course, semantics is everything, because I just said 10 minutes ago that spirituality is the most, I didn't say it like that, but I meant it, <laughs> it's the most selfish uh, pursuit we could possibly embark on, because it's all about self-realization, realizing who we are, realizing our full, fullest potential, finally achieving the self, who we are. It's a very selfish thing. But of course, now I'm talking about selfish in the, you know, common sense of the term, the, the bad selfish, egotistical and egoistic. Um, so, yeah, I remember to take another detour. When I read the book Rasa by my Guru Maharaj, he uh, made this um, analysis, this escalation from, mm, you say, lust, like conjugal love, which is, okay, I don't want to say it's based on lust. Um, well, I don't want to reduce it, but, well, let's say, well, nowadays it's all different. It's all, <laughs> nowadays anybody can have sex with anybody, but uh, let's say in a more contained society in the past and for the longest time of uh, human history, marriage life meant sex life. So you get married so you can have sex and then maybe even children. I mean, children were the, the real goal, but I don't want to do a whole disquisition on sex life and, and uh, human sexuality. But uh, if uh, sex is to be found, it's not between, God forbid, parents and children or teacher and student. It's in that kind of relationship. And still, 
you know, con compare again, like I said, compared to when you were single and maybe going from flower to flower, marriage has a way of uh, harnessing that. And so you need to sacrifice, you need to share the space, your, your living space, your habits with another person for love. And then you have children and then you don't even get the gratification of a, a sex life. So motherhood, parenthood is considered a higher tier of love. So the book Rasa was talking about this, how parenthood is higher in uh, the gradation of love because of how much higher the sacrifice is. And then, then there is friendly love with your friends. You can share your heart. You, can, you don't always share your heart with your parents because they're a generation removed. They might judge you. They might uh, reprimand you based on what they think is the best thing for you. But with friends, you can actually, actually share your heart and really think about life, what it is. And then you may find a teacher. That same friend may become your teacher. So you have a different... Uh, relationship based on deep affection because he's really teaching you well whatever any teacher is worthy of our gratitude but you know if it's a transcendentalist then he teaches you the ultimate ultimate truth the absolute truth so it's the ultimate gesture of love for you and then you have this gratitude and then you achieve finally peace self-realization and then within self-realization within transcendence then it's reverse uh, reversed you know dasya service servitorship is the lowest tier like in relation to god and better still is to be their friends and better still is to be their parents because you can really get absorbed if you know anything about mother yashoda and nanda maharaj and better than that is a conjugal love actually par paramour love love for somebody who you shouldn't even love but it's so strong that it breaks the bond of um, marriage if you know anything about the gopis and and that reality that narrative which you know it's not by chance that it's like that so let me consult with my guru again I have no idea how i came to this um they're talking about uh, depend on serving Sri Guru, spiral of consciousness. So yeah, I was talking about the sacrifice of a mother. So anything, anytime you put your endeavor in anything that is not you, which is a common criticism that you know parents or married people have of uh, single, childless people. They're like, oh, you're selfish. You whatever, whatever things that go on in today's society. It doesn't have to be selfishness, but you know, for sure you learn sacrifice, for sure you learn self-abnegation in any relationship. So apply that to the spiritual reality. And of course, everything gets magnified and everything gets closer and closer to what matters the most and what is the most useful to you because we are spiritual beings. Uh, but the, the concept, time is running out could definitely be expanded to Sri Guru and um, and we can see that Sri Guru is everywhere just like water is everywhere water is um, you know you can see it you can uh, you know we have here alone there is a creek it's raining a lot finally the rainy season has started so you see water in the rain you see water therefore in the sky and in, in creeks in puddles, in the, at the tap, in the sink, in the shower that we just had to hear. And um, I remember a, um, a devotee <clears throat> who I was going to for um, Gita dissertations. She said that, um, I think they asked her about the deities. Why do you have to worship a deity? Why do you have to have a deity? And she said, well, Water is everywhere, is even in the atmosphere. But when you're thirsty, you go to the sink, you go to the tap, where it's condensed and usable for what you need it for, which is thirst quenching. So, um, but the, the opposite point can also be made that water is everywhere. Water is in the atmosphere. Our atmosphere is, uh, forget the percentage, percentages right now, oxygen, nitrogen, a little bit of carbon, 
dioxide, a little bit of ozone, other gases, and water vapor is also there. So hydrogen, but also, I mean, actual water molecules. We would know if there was no humidity. And now I'm talking about humidity, not humility. <laughs> um, if there was no humidity in the water, we would know. I remember being in Madrid, which is practically in the middle of the desert. And I would wake up in the middle of the night with my nose was bleeding. It was so dry. What month was it? Can't remember. It wasn't even summer, but it was so dry. I had to keep water on my nightstand and just wake up at one in the morning and drink to just, you know, moisturize myself and, 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 and my nose and my airways because it was like, so there is water in the air and there's water underground water is everywhere so shriguru is everywhere so if you wanted to be creative you could say that you know shriguru the person like we were talking about which is called vapu like the physical form is water as water and then water in the atmosphere would be vani the teaching the instructions of the guru which may not even come from him, like we're talking about for all these lessons, for all these uh, encounters. The air can be your guru, if you can see it. The water, the sun, the moon, the prostitute, the moth, the hunter, the pigeon, the bee. Um, all that is Sri Guru, coming to you from all directions, from the most common things that are like in your face, the sun, the water, and say, wake up to the true reality, to what really matters in life. So that would be Vani. And so underground water is uh, the guru inside, Chaitya Guru. Either way, like I said, like we have been saying this whole time, the guru is everywhere. You have to be able to see it. You have to be open and sincere, um, like water. You need to be transparent. <laughs> Here's another teaching. You know, water is uh, a very amazing uh, substance. You would think this water is blue. Turns out it's transparent, and water also takes the shape of whatever container it's in. You would say that this water is cylindric, cylindrical. And then if you put it in a bowl, then water's like, okay, I'm a, now I'm a hemisphere. You put it in a square container, okay, now I'm a cube. And um, when we were talking about ether, we're talking about, uh, what did I say? Ether is accommodating, just accommodates everything, just makes it all work. Water is similar, but it's, a, it's almost the opposite point of view. Water is adaptability. It's like, okay, it's like this now, I'll adapt. And um, <clears throat> whichever the, the case is, just adapt, which is a very important uh, teaching to adopt. Um, whether it's spiritual life or material life, it's all a gradation, right? We talked about the dial of uh, consciousness. Srila Prabhupada used to say, material life is like a bunch of zeros. You have five zeros, he has six zeros, I have nine zeros. They're all zeros, they, they mean nothing. What does nine zeros have more than six zeros? But the moment you put Krishna in front, if I have nine zeros, I'm a billionaire. And if you only have one zero, you're a, a tenair or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously Krishna is the best, the most, the highest, but it can be scaled down to anything that has meaning. Once you put meaning to any, you know, the world around you and a, an intention, then it acquires meaning. That's what consciousness does. It attributes meaning because it's made of meaning. So it wants to find it in everything it mirrors itself in. Um, <clears throat> where was I going with this? Water adapts. So I was saying it's a very good teaching to keep in mind. Adaptability. Uh, we need to adopt this way to adapt that water has. And um, because, like uh, Sridhar Maharaj says, if Krishna says, come here, come here, and we go there, and then he appears over there, we don't say, hey, you said come here, why did you go there? We just go where Krishna is, because it's Krishna. It's, it's what matters, it's what has meanings. 
um, he's the condensation of all the meaning, of all the beauty, of all the purpose, of all the truth. Um, be like water. It could have so many applications. Um, let me see if I finish this note first. So yeah, water is everywhere, Chaiteguru. I could say something more about the Guru inside. Like I said, you have to be sincere to listen to the Guru inside and you need to be transparent. The Guru himself, many the Guru him or herself is uh, described many times as a transparent uh, representative of reality. Somebody is a Guru in as much as they can be a servant, unfettered by separate interest and as much as they can be a servant they are a teacher the best servant they are the best guru they are and uh, one of their teaching is well be like me first of all because a guru is not somebody who says uh, do this do that don't be like this don't do like that are you doing this the guru essentially first and foremost why do you say first and foremost because it's just by being is teaching. You know, the Guru is teaching by just waking up in the morning and acting in a certain way, thinking in a certain way, making certain choices over others before they can even tell you what to do. In that way, uh, primarily, a Guru teaches and, and, and they don't see themselves as Guru. They are, I mean, in our context of uh, Parampara and um, a connection with, uh, with God through the Guru and the Guru Parampara, they see themselves as servants because that's the overarching teaching. That's what we're talking about for all these encounters and for the next 21, 21s about service, about the importance of service, about our identity as servant and what service means. So the Guru says, be like me. The Guru should be our ideal of uh, the best that we can do, the best potential that is in me is already manifest in the Guru. That's why I'm following them. Not for any other reason, not for their charisma, not for how well they sing, not for how much money they have and how much they can accomplish in their mission and how known they are. And therefore I'll be associating with somebody popular and get a, a, a share of the whatever, the glamour. Um, Well, I forget how I began, but it's not for this. It's for the other thing that I said. <laughs> um, transparent. So, yeah. And the guru is transparent. So he's saying, be transparent like me. Like we said, he is the um, uh, ideal. And the guru may seem to have preferences and um, a personality, but uh, they are really living in function of um, Krishna's pleasure. They are made for Krishna's, Krishna's pleasure and they are made of Krishna's pleasure. You know, it's like iron or metal put in fire becomes like fire. The Guru is at that stage. So be transparent means be sincere, right? Don't have any second motives and um, don't have any separate interest like I want to do this for me or because again who is me you, we're all in here in this to find out who we really are may not take a lifetime it's not something you just read about and like, oh, okay yeah so I'm made a spirit I'm a unit of consciousness I'm a spiritual spirit atom it takes a lot of uh, unveiling a lot of uh, changing yourself that's what everybody says. Change yourself. Uh, that's what everybody says. Change yourself to change your reality. So, and changing ourselves is really the only thing we can do. We cannot change somebody else because they are the protagonist of their own universal bubble. All we can, ironically, we can, we can change the whole world that we live in, the whole world that we perceive by changing ourselves, by changing the prescription in our glasses. <laughs> by tuning the dial of our consciousness on higher and higher realities like i said from me and mine to god and gods and there's a lot in between 
So water tells us all this by just existing and being transparent, if we know how to see it. Okay, um, I only have nine minutes, so let me see if I can just um, give you some random facts that, again, can be turned into teachings about water. Water is an amazing substance. <clears throat> water is... Well, liquid, liquidity is the epitome of liquidity, the, the quintessential liquid. Any other liquid contains water, even oil to an extent. Let's take with liquidity. Uh, water means liquidity, any liquid. It doesn't have to be hydrogen and oxygen. Um, but it's made of oxygen and hydrogen, which are two flammable liquids. It's such a mystical contradiction in itself. So water is about adapting, and it starts by being the adaptation of its own contradiction, its liquidity in its quintessential form, and it's made of two very flammable um, gases, hydrogen and oxygen. Have you ever heard of the hydrogen bomb? And water is a binder, and it's a solvent. You add water to flour. <clears throat> Excuse me. You add water to, to flour, <clears throat> and you get a dough. And like that, it binds many things. You can make clay. You can make pots. Without water, you can't. And water is a solvent. You add water to a statue of salt, of sugar. Where's the salt? Where's the sugar? And then, don't get me, don't get me started <laughs> on the surface tension, how water can just um, adhere. It's like shapeless, but it, 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 it does things with, like I said, don't get me started. Let's not talk about all the physical properties of water. <clears throat> Water is a, 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 an electric conductor. Um, it's at the best, as far as I know. And again, it's crazy that lightning that happens between air, between the sky and the earth, happens because of the little uh, moisture droplets that conduct electricity. And, and, and when there is a differential in um, what, voltage, Anyway, if it finds a way to the ground, all that power happens and it goes through water, like water. <laughs> what we used to drink, what we just don't even think about. And if we did think about, like I said at the beginning, we would be self-realized. So what water is saying is be amazing like me. Be liquid when you need to be liquid. Be a conductor when you need to be a conductor. Hang from, you know, in, in Granada, in Spain, when it was Arabic, there is this palace, which I haven't seen, but I believe it. There is um, a uh, handrail in some stair case that is hollow and it's got water flowing up through some engineering something it wasn't being pumped or anything but somehow you'd be like going up the stairs and running your hand on the handrail if i get this right if i remember right and the water was going up and at some point it broke and today's engineers cannot replicate what allowed that to happen but water can go up water can go down can go right can go left can go in the atmosphere it can be a gas it can be a solid it can be a liquid it can be flammable water is so soft and shapeless but it could be the hardest substance. People who, <laughs> who took a bad dive and landed with their belly on a surface of water, they, they, they realize how hard water can be. I mean, obviously, you get into the water eventually. It's not like landing on concrete, but that, that's because of the properties of water. Water has so many properties. Concrete only has one. But uh, it can be quite hard. I saw a video that... Um, pressurized water to, I forget the amount of pressure, but they could cut through a watermelon. It, it became like a water uh, blade. 
it, it looked like metal wire. It was just like laser, just slicing through thick metal. Just nothing would um, resist that pressurized water. So it goes to show that if we don't have a purpose, if, you, if we are just still water in a container, I just read a quote yesterday about Prabhupada not liking bottled water, and there's a lot to be said about that. All the, I don't want to say new agey because it has a bad rap, but a lot of people who are, let's say, non-conventional are getting or have gotten to the conclusion that water is a liquid crystal. You know, you, you may have heard about liquid, liquid crystals, uh, liquid crystal display that I'm talking to right now because uh, I'm alone. <laughs> But um, water is a liquid crystal, and a crystal is uh, an organized, it's organized matter. A crystal, say a quartz, maybe in water it's easier, it's not as easy to see, but it, in, a, in a mineral crystal, the structure is organized in such a way that it's a fractal. Think of water when it does crystallize in, in uh, certain temperatures. You see a snowflake. It's made of like prisms, six prisms, you know, the typical snowflake. And then every prism has little tiny prisms sticking out of it. And then you look at that prism and it's got many little prisms and it's called a fractal. So a crystal is a portal between the macrocosm and the microcosm because the same reality goes deeper and deeper and deeper and smaller and smaller and smaller. And the information goes both ways from the external world to the internal world. And, um, and it's just amazing. So these people say that water is a liquid crystal. It has a memory. It can retain memory. And most of you may have seen that video, what the bleep do we know about anything? And uh, that Japanese scientist who was infusing prayers or hateful messages to certain water and, and the water when crystallized would have a very harmonious looking crystal or total chaos or uh, um, a lot of experiments have been made like this. So people go a long uh, way to, uh, what do they call it? Uh, reconstituted water or restructured water they have like a, a bottle where the water goes through a vortex and uh, one day we'll talk about spirals and the importance of spirals and so the water goes through a vortex and it gets reconstituted it gets realigned and, and like vibrant and lively and um, something about vibration and water. I mean, in our tradition itself, we infuse mantras in the water all the time. When we do Achaman to go into the, uh, on the altar, we say the name of uh, one of the names of uh, Vishnu in the water and then drink the water. So we infuse a spiritual vibration in the water and get purified by it. Gayatri can be chanted uh, waist deep in the water, in the river. The Native Americans, used to pray in rivers because they said that the water would amplify their prayer and let it go further, higher. So these are all the esoteric uh, properties of water. But well, I close with this because I'm like, you know, one minute away. Water is amazing. So we should be amazing like water in our spiritual pursuit, not think, oh, but I'm like this. And, uh, you know, I cannot be like that. Why can't you be like water? If water can, my Guru Maharaj himself, I heard him many times say, I would never ask somebody to do something I wasn't ready to do myself. Now, that has had different meanings because now he's like almost 80. But um, it's a good principle, principle to go by and, and, and to, to teach others. And a lot of motivational speakers will say like that. If I can do it, you can do it. So if water can be so amazing, so can we. And apply ourselves and adapt and take any shape for service is what I'm saying. And be liquid when we need to be liquid. Be solid when we need to be solid. Be conductive. Be, uh, you know, have all that amazingness. Uh, infinite potential. You know, many times I, I said that the potential of the spirit is infinite and the potential of matter is zero. So I'll close with this because like I learned yesterday from some motivational speaker, it was not even a, a YouTube video. It was a commercial before a YouTube video. This guy had uh, learning disabilities and uh, he got so frustrated that he just learned how to learn 
and he was telling people how to learn, how to memorize. He's telling actors, politicians, everybody loves him and he's a star and he couldn't even read in school and he was the butt of everybody's joke. And he said, if you argue for your own limitations, you get to keep them. So, you know, see, gurus everywhere. You just need to take, make treasure of these things. If you argue for your own argument, uh, limitations, you get to keep them. If you're like, oh, I would like to do that. I should do this, but I don't have the money. I don't have the education. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. And you need to keep that reality. If you're your own first obstacle. So anyway, I'll leave you with this um, pearl <laughs> drop of knowledge. And uh, it was very exciting. I got so galvanized yesterday. I could barely fall asleep. But, um, you know, this is the real teaching. Focus on these topics. It doesn't really matter if it's water, if it's air. You can draw so much because, you know, all this wonderfulness is behind anything if you know how to see it. And, you know, through the mercy of um, your guru, if you've had the luck of encountering one. And, um, you know, from now on, even if you can take advantage of these little few words I could say on that. So go have a drink of water and think of Krishna and I'll see you probably next month. Thank you very much.